Diamond Answer Man, Episode 13, The Hearts and Arrows Viewer. Well, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Jay Christopher Gritz. This is the Diamond Answer Man Show, where our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases that memorialize our special moments, whether they be birthdays, anniversaries, engagements, maybe even job promotions. You may reach me at diamondanswerman.com where you may leave me a voicemail message directly from the site, or you may phone me at 803-792-1326. You may also contact me at jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. Well, thanks for listening to my show this week. This week, we're going to talk about some of the current happenings in the diamond industry. And one of those big things is that uh, De Beers, the DTC, is moving its operations and I should say has moved its operations to to Botswana, which is a great move for the people of Botswana and uh, helping out the economy there. And the government there has also started their own uh, trading uh, center, uh, the O. Okavanga, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, the trading company, and uh, they will also be buying uh, out of the Debswana, uh, uh, being able to purchase uh, through that source and, and then sell it back into the diamond community. So I think this is a great both PR move and economic move. Uh, eventually, what will happen is De Beers will move its uh, sites also to the uh, to the uh, area, and uh, so all of those trips to London won't, won't occur, at least in the manner that they are now. Though all, all those site holders, as the the DTC has the suppliers of choice, uh, they will all go to uh, Botswana for those um, for those moments when they're going to be picking up their sites each year. Now, that being said, it's still being reported that the diamond market in the polished, that's how we, now you and I see them, most common is uh, when they're finished, that, that finished look as they are in, the, in a ring. The uh, market is a little soft right now, so everybody's trading at a level that uh, is uh, lower than it was last year. It's being reported by most sources. It's under 20% as far as a discount would be. That would be dealer to dealer. We reported that last week. And then dealer to jeweler. The um, the market price is generally on one carat size, roughly 18% lower than uh, what it would have been a year ago today. Now, that means that if you're going to be buying an engagement ring right now, there could be some good values out there on new diamonds. Now, that being said, um, the rough price, of course, is still high. So it's higher in most cases than, than, than it's ever been. And so uh, dealers are still not buying as much rough. That'd be polishers. Uh, they're not buying as much rough as they were before, and they're holding back, and they're sitting on some inventories. Now, the issue would be is that this short-term you know, market drop in prices could be corrected in, uh, in the near future, just dependent upon what's available in the market. As dealers sell through their inventory, and then they 
they need to be buying um, uh, the the rough stones to polish, uh, that will adjust, of course. So our prices could go up in the future. How long could it take? Well, that depends upon the U.S. market. We are still here in the U.S., the largest market in the world, although some of your Asian markets are coming up. Um, If we see a really good holiday season, we could see a market adjust maybe as early as the, the, the latter half of next year. Um, in my opinion, of course, it could it could totally go the other direction. I'm not an economist anyway. I've just been following this for many, many years. And having worked for two different uh, diamond polishing companies, I kind of have an idea of what's going on and how the trading occurs and, and the expected prices and price ranges and discounts and, uh, and of course, the, uh, the, the uh, premiums that can occur in different ranges. Now, it's still and has been for many years uh, uh, been reported that the most sought after, I should say the most uh, looked at or looked after uh, ranges for color and clarity are in that one carat size, the G to H S I range. And um, again, that's probably the most popular. A lot of people see a, a good value in that color and clarity range. However, when you're uh, looking at diamond prices and looking at go- negotiating your either your buy as a jeweler or your buy as a consumer, it's a little bit tighter in those ranges just because of the popularity, even though there is a reduction for the price the uh, the fact that it's it's one of the most sought after color and clarity ranges the uh, the ability to be able to achieve or or I should say receive a discount um, based upon the asking price is is going to be tighter or not possible at all uh, depending upon what what it is you're looking at and that's and we're talking about one carat sizes now now talking about the world of diamond polishing and cutting and mining there is uh, still mining and has been for many years going on in Zimbabwe. And uh, now that they've passed the Kimberley process, I must make the statement that I'm still not for uh, the purchase of diamonds in the uh, in the country of Zimbabwe. I feel that there's some humanitarian issues and some ethical issues that go on there. Now, that being said, here's, here's what one of the issues that's going on that I think is unethical. We're not going to talk about Zimbabwe itself um, and how the company, or should say the country, and the company and the Chinese government is controlling the mining that's going on and where the monies are going to. They're not going back to the people, in my opinion. And there's a lot of sources who say the same thing. Um, the diamonds there are trading, the rough diamonds are trading at such a huge discount. And uh, dealers want to be able to polish them. But here's the negative. Uh, the dealers are buying those at such a huge discount, but after they're polishing them, they're mixing them with their other diamonds and they're trading them at those same prices. So it's not like that's adjusting in the market. So you can see why a lot of dealers are were and still are today for a big open buying possibility with Zimbabwe. It allows them to achieve a higher grade of a higher level of profitability, unfortunately, in my opinion, on the backs of the people of Zimbabwe. And uh, I I would say that if you're going to buy a diamond today, um, you'd want to make sure that, uh, in my opinion, that it's not from Zimbabwe. The people there aren't seeing any of the benefit of the mining going on there. The, uh, The government is. 
uh, but the people are not. And uh, so if you're going to buy from a jeweler, I would ask them, make sure it's not from Zimbabwe. Now, they may or may not know. You know, that's, that's not necessarily a, always a fair question. But they should have an idea, and they should be talking with dealers and, and have a good idea of where the uh, polished is coming from. And, uh, you know, so make sure that uh, if you have an opportunity, of course, visit my website, diamondanswerman.com, and uh, download the Affidavit of Diamond Buying and Agreement. And uh, that has a, a little portion on there that's stronger than the Kimberly Process Agreement. You know, remember, Zimbabwe is a, is a Kimberly Process approved country right now. Uh, but on my form, it will have the jeweler state that the diamond was mined, you know, morally and ethically. Uh, and, and Zimbabwe, in my opinion, would not pass that litmus test. And uh, so just make sure that you you ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. And then, of course, make sure that you buy ethical and morally mined diamonds. You know, that's one of the things we've talked about, you know, almost for the last 20 years or so now. Um, you know, the moral, 15 or so, uh, moral and ethical mining. We want to make sure that the diamonds we buy create magical and special moments. We don't want to, um, you know, create memories that are poor and, and negative. So make sure when you buy something, it, it memorializes the moment and is beneficial to all, not just the owner, but, uh, uh, but just like the people in, in Botswana, um, where it's gonna affect, going to affect positively everyone in that community and has been uh, for, for some years now. And, and the driving force there is to support it more. So let's, uh, let's get Zimbabwe on track and make sure they're mining and all the things that they're doing to promote mining in their country for their natural resources goes to support the people there. And uh, again, you know, you can download my form. It's the Affidavit of Diamond Buying Agreement on my website. You can download that for free. And uh, and uh, let me know how it goes. You can send me again an email or an update. You can post it on the Live Fire plugin that I have on the site. And uh, you go ahead and log in and give me your comments on how that worked out well for you. And uh, anyway, so you know, talking about diamonds, now may be a good time to buy. Um, on to what our next topic is. You know, we were talking about last week the fire scope. You know, why is my diamond showing red under this? And then the reflective aspects of the fire scope. And when you put a diamond in there, what its performance rating would be. Now, the fire scope is a fantastic tool, and later the symmetroscope. And there are, you know, sort of generic variants of that that have been created. Uh, a handheld device, and I created one back in the, in the late 90s, early, early 2000s. And uh, I showed that at uh, one of the eight-star uh, conferences we had. And then, of course, uh, shortly afterwards, we saw a proliferation of these. Not a proliferation. That's, that would be an overstatement. But we saw a change in the industry with the handheld tools that are out there that are performance-based. And uh, there are several. The Ideal Scope is a nice handheld device. And it's in some ways, it mirrors what the A-set would be. Um, but most diamond tool suppliers have some variation of this tool now. They also sell a, uh, a device which would be a variation of the heart and arrow viewer, another Japanese tool. And the heart and arrow viewer will show the performance of a diamond in different colors than what would be in the fire scope, the combination of colors, the contrast of colors. 
I shouldn't say different. It would be similar, uh, but the performance rating would be different uh, in a, a portion of the diamond. And what I mean by that is, is you know, since we're talking about the Hearts and Arrows viewers, let's get a good visualization on what it would be. The Hearts and Arrows viewer is a cylindrical tool, and uh, it lays a diamond on a flat platform, and that flat pat platform has a, an area where it's drilled out, so it's got a convex area where you drop the diamond in, almost, a, I should say, uh, a, not conical, but uh, it would go to a point. Um, maybe that is the right word. It would go to a point, and you drop the diamond in the top of that, and so it's held, It's being held sort of like how the fire scope or symmetroscope tray would be. Um, it is non-lit. The platform in which you put the diamond in is generally black. And there's no light source along the bottom. Now, over the top of the diamond, you take a tube. The tube is about the size, and I'm not trying to be funny, but about the size of a roll of toilet paper. So this tube has three levels to it. The bottom level has a usually a ring that supports a smaller tube, which is a colored tube, and it could be purple, red, blue, green. I've seen all sorts of variations uh, over the last almost 17 years. Um, the, the tube itself uh, allows light to come in from the sides to illuminate the, uh, the diamond. And then at the second level, there's another round ring, and generally that's where the magnifier is. Now, it's a very low-grade magnifier. Uh, it's, not a, it's, it's a doublet, and, and uh, all that means is that you don't have complete achromatic and aplomatic. Oh, I won't even be technical about it. You, it doesn't really matter for this for this podcast. Um, but it, it's not a very powerful, you know, a couple of power, maybe not not even five power magnification. I haven't pulled it out and uh, test it, um, but it's a very low grade magnifier, just big enough to where you can hold your eye back and uh, see it through the third level. There's another ring, so if you can imagine this roll of toilet paper separated into three sections. The bottom ring has the colored, uh, sort of a clear plastic. And uh, the top level has then supported in the center of the ring, or excuse me, the second level has supported in the center of the ring, a magnifier. And then the third level that you're looking through this tube has the hole that you're going to peer through and then look down through the magnifier. And in the cylinder here uh, that you're peering through, it has the colored portion and the light goes in through that and then illuminates the diamond. Now in the Hearts and Arrows viewer, uh, what it does when you're looking through it is the light, uh, again, light illuminates the side profile of the diamond and then floods the diamond with that color. And again, it could be blue, which is most common. And then you could also see red or pur purple or green. The diamond then from that high degree angle that's where the viewer is looking through almost to that degree, not quite 90 degrees, but off of that a little bit. There is generally a white ring, right? So a white ring on, on the underside of that top third level. And as the diamond is reflecting from that high angle, it's reflecting from that white ring. So it sees what's directly above it, not the eye or non-reflection like it would be. Um, or non-bright source like it would be in the fire scope. And that will reflect your very high angle lighting back to the eye. Now, it's a very, very good tool to use. You know, it's easy to fit in your pocket, kind of like one of the um, the pocket uh, performance scopes that are mirrored or, or uh, uh, sort of designed after what would have been the fire scope. Um, so the only thing that I would say that wouldn't be a positive 
about the Hearts and Arrows viewer is that there is no way to uh, to view any sort of area where the diamond is not returning light to the eye, or I should say returning it wrongly, right? Um, you know, all diamonds return light to the eye to a varying degree, and all diamonds leak light to a varying degree. There's no diamond that's ever been made, and there could not ever be, just because of the physics involved, to have a diamond return 100% to the light. Um, although that's talked about sometimes, it's 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 it is completely impossible to have a diamond return one hundred percent of the light that comes into it and then goes back out of it. But the Hearts and Arrows viewer actually masks some light leakage, and I I am you know a little bit biased about how some of these tools should work, but I believe that uh, light leakage can affect a diamond's beauty, not quite unlike uh, what clouds and inclusions could affect in a diamond's beauty as far as performance would be. If you want to use it under the beauty rating, there are some inclusions that can affect the B for beauty um, and the P for purity. If their inclusions are dramatically, or I should say visible enough that they negatively affect the uh, the performance of the diamond. And so a diamond that leaks an enormous amount of light, or I should say leaks light in a way that is consistent and regular all the way around the outside, um, then it could mask some of the performance. And hearts and arrow stones if you're if you're not cautious with them and if they're not grayed appropriately you know under the right tools you can buy a diamond that actually really is beautiful but unfortunately the 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 opposite can also happen as far as our size remember our our B and our BPS series should make the diamond look both more beautiful and and bigger, right? You know, so a diamond that returns light appropriately to the eye and has the right kind of scintillation, the right kind of fire, the right kind of contrast, and the right placement of facets should automatically, because of the way the light returns back out to the eye, it will look larger, of course, comparative to diamonds that are not proportioned uh, or polished, not proportioned, but polished appropriately for the beauty of the stone. So a Hearts and Arrows viewer can mask some performance-based issues while highlighting just the majority of the stone. So it will, it, it can show you the, the top mains and bottom mains and they're, and they're the stars that will appear, the arrows as they call them. And, you know, it has a fun effect. Diamonds that are uh, polished for performance will show a heart image along the bottom. It's one of those little natural effects that will occur. Uh, but at the same time, when we flip it back over, because remember, we look at it from a face-up position, we will notice that if we take a Hearts and Arrows viewer and a Hearts and Arrows type diamond, and uh, one that is cut, remember, there's different degrees of Hearts and Arrows. I'm going to make this clear. I like Hearts and Arrows type diamonds, um, but there's different performance grades, even in Hearts and Arrows, and the Hearts and Arrows viewer hides them. So we need to go to another tool. The Hearts and Arrows viewer is a good quick tool to use. Um, although if I had a choice, I would use a pocket variation of the fire scope. And there's many of those out there. Um, so when we use a Hearts and Arrows viewer, if it hides some of that effect, we want to make sure we use our eye. And look at the diamond on our hand or on our hand loose 
next to other diamonds and make sure that what we're seeing and perceiving is always beneficial to the beauty of the stone. So what ends up happening in the Hearts and Arrows viewer, because it's got no light source underneath and it floods the diamond with blue, purple, red, green, whatever color that is placed on that bottom portion of the cylinder, it actually, because of the the non-light source, non-light pass through the stone so you get the contrast, it actually floods the diamond in those areas where it would be showing a uh, a non-performing area. It floods that area with that color. So you can see on the top and the bottom uh, sections of the diamond where it's performing absolutely amazing. However, cutters have also learned how to hide extra weight in the diamond, and you pay for that. Remember, it's put on a scale, and it's put there by and sold by its weight originally from the rough. And if they're able to make the diamond heavier, uh, they can charge you more for it. So if we look at the diamond on a Hearts and Arrows viewer, we can see absolutely amazing amazing skill and uh, a technique and you definitely still need to be an artist to be able to work with the diamond to release its internal physiology in regards to the polishing of it to make it a hearts and arrows stone so hearts you know diamond polishers who make hearts and arrows type diamonds these are really skilled people, uh, you know, and I'm talking about the ones cut by hand. You know, the, these are people who really understand the internal physiology of the diamond and, and really so few diamonds are even cut into these kinds of performance ranges. Um, so what I want to say is that when it's cut into these ranges, it allows them to tweak the uh, top and bottom halves. And I use sort of a mix of terminology. Uh, you know, gemologically speaking, there's a term for it. And then when you're talking about polishing, because I've been in both worlds, I have diplomas from GIA, but I've worked at diamond polishing facilities. So I kind of mix the terms. So please, uh, it's kind of like having two languages in your head, Spanish, in English and flipping back and forth. Um, but the top, uh, you know, top halves and bottom halves are the areas in between those main facets. And as you look at a diamond, you'll see the big sort of kite shaped facets on the top. And in between, there's these little sort of split triangles when you're looking at them. It allows them to change the angle, right, at how they're polishing those facets because those areas are not shown under a hearts and arrows viewer. Now, there's only so much you can really tweak in those areas without damaging severely the performance of the diamond. So they learn how to tweak little things, little things in them. And so when you put a diamond in a hearts and arrows viewer, it hides what they've done to hide the extra weight. And remember, diamond polishers, uh, you know, I want to say this, diamond polishers are paid to retain weight from the original rough. And a lot of times, there's more than one person polishing a diamond. Some some people may be in charge of the star facets. Some people may be in charge of the bottom facets. And maybe it's even split further from there. Some people only polish the bottom main. Some people only polish the bottom halves. And some people only polish the top mains. You know, So you can have a crew of people working on one diamond. Um, and so what ends up happening is that the diamond is marked and it's marked for its potential weight retention. And after it's marked, it then goes to the person who's going to cleave the stone or, 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 or start the process before it's polished, you know, girdling it and everything. And uh, they have a theoretical weight for what the diamond would be when it's finished. Now, if the polisher is able to, or group of polishers is able to increase the weight 
at different lengths in the process, and the finished weight is greater than what it would have been, if it achieves a higher weight range that pushes it into another category, diamond polishers can be paid small bonuses. You know, this is a world where, you know, they're not going to make thousands of dollars if they, if they increase it, but they will, they will receive not just kudos for it. They, they can at times and have been uh, financially rewarded if they're able to push it up into another category. Now you have to be consistent at that to make lots of money, um, but it's not always possible. So what they have learned to do is uh, work on these certain, these small areas in the diamond to retain a higher weight retention. Now, if we use a tool that's a true performance-based tool like an A-set or like a, a fire scope or symmetroscope or any one of the tools, again, that's, uh, that's sold through one of the online tool sites that shows the actual performance of the diamond, it will show this uh, area as leakage. Uh, however, if we train our our eyes to see the difference, uh, we'll notice that it may look a little bit smaller. But overall, the diamond looks absolutely amazing and you can see even high degrees of dispersion happening in diamonds like this so they're they are absolutely incredible so i'm speaking about the negatives but the positive is it will still absolutely blow away standard made ideal diamonds because you have that sort of fractured image that can occur in a standard ideal where they paid no attention to the actual internal physiology and the actual performance of the diamond and just placed facets in an even pattern all the way around the stone with no regard again for that internal physiology so hearts and arrow stones are absolutely amazing diamonds but you have to choose your stone and you can you can get as nitpicky as you want when you're looking at at these kinds of diamonds but be aware that the hearts and arrows viewer is not the end all and be all of performance grading and uh, you can use again an a set which is the american gem society variation a little bit more advanced than what the fire scope would be it splits it into you know several different colors and uh, it performs similar, I should say. Um, if you go to my website, actually, if you go on uh, my, uh, my, uh, my Google Plus page, I have a background image there where it's multicolored. It's not like the A-set, but it's multicolored. And yeah, where I've cut the diamond into quads, theoretically, this is all computer-based, and you can see the uh, reflections of colors, right? So mirrored from above under a theoretical, this is a computer-generated image uh, that I've created that shows in theory what a diamond would perform like with colors uh, you know, above it in different areas and quads. Uh, but, but the A set uses rings in different, uh, that represent different angles, uh, you know, degrees of light coming into the stone, or I should say reflections or light going into the stone and then coming back out to the eye, far more advanced than what the fire scope would be where you would see uh, pinks, you might say greens or blues. Uh, so a much easier degree of contrast to simplify it. Hearts and arrows viewer, blends everything together and uh, where you see blue you see blue and uh, makes it a little bit harder because you don't see that black or non-light coming through it it looks a little bit more like a dark dark blue uh, and then the white areas in the fire scope you where you'd see black in the white areas uh, where you would see those same areas excuse me would be white under a hearts and arrows viewer that high degree that high angle so again the hearts and arrows viewer is a great tool but just know that they've learned 
techniques to uh, hide extra weight in the diamond. And so always make sure you do your visual comparison if you can, right? And, uh, and I'm not for one, for one laboratory over another. But the GIA does not do any sort of image-based uh, uh, performance grade. And in, in that respect, I think it's unfortunate. I do think that they've got some technological things that are a higher degree than the American Gem Society. And I'm not pitting one lab against the other because I think the American Gem Society is far ahead of the GIA when we're talking about performance-based grading and using an analog tool to performance grade uh, the stone, which would in more respects show us what's happening in reality. So the GIA produces the most well-known Absolutely fantastic report. They give a verbal grade, excellent cut. Uh, they don't use the term ideal. Uh, but the American Gem Society actually can put a computer-generated image of how your diamond performed under an A-set. Uh, and then even further, if you, and I'm not an American Gem Society dealer, uh, but if you go to a jewelry store that is an American Gem Society jewelry store, the jewelry store that is a, a member of that society can receive reports of actual performance-based images of your diamond uh, under the uh, ASET there at the laboratory, and uh, they will apply those images to a diamond grading report. So I'm going even further. Uh, I guess I'm going away from the Hearts and Arrows viewer. What I'm trying to say is if you're buying a Hearts and Arrows stone, also get some information to a greater degree behind it, how it performs under a full performance device, not a Hearts and Arrows viewer. So if you had nothing else, right, a Hearts and Arrows viewer is a great, great tool. So if you went into a store and that's all they had, that's not bad. Um, just ask for some other type of performance grade to uh, to form your opinion. And, they, and again, every single jeweler you go into has the ability to be able to own inexpensively these true performance type tools. So when you go, when you go, if you go on my website, um, I'll have some images there that you'll be able to see. Some for the fire scope type images or symmetroscope type images, and the uh, the hearts and arrows viewer. I'll have them in comparison, and I probably I think I have to dig through some of my uh, past photography inventory and see some of those images I have. Maybe I'll share some of those. But what I'll do is I'll use perfect images, images that I've created that uh, would be theoretical. I'll show you high degree of performance in the fire scope, and I'll place that same theoretical image in, in a hearts and arrows viewer, um, and I'll show you the differences between the two. I won't on the fire scope page, but I'll put it on the, uh, the hearts and arrows page, and then you can see the differences that I'm talking about where a stone can leak light, oh, leak light, not return light. They all leak light. Remember, I said that earlier. Diamonds don't return 100% light. Um, but where they return light to a degree and then where light isn't being returned, it's coming out the back or the side, not to our eye and how that's masked 
in the Hearts and Arrows viewer. Anyway, if you've enjoyed this podcast and this show, please visit me at diamondanswerman.com. If you've got questions or comments, you may visit the Diamond Answer Man website and uh, on the Hearts and Arrows. So if you go to diamondanswerman.com forward slash hearts and arrows, you'll be able to leave comments on my live fire plugin. That All that means to you is that you'll be able to log in with Twitter or Facebook or Google. One of the different uh, forms that you already have, you can just click on that link, log in and post your question post your comments, and I'll happily look forward to what information you bring so we can share together in uh, helping everyone make confident decisions uh, when they buy their diamonds to memorialize their special moments. This again is Jay Christopher Gertz, and this was Diamond Answer Man, episode 13.